Good morning. Welcome to Generation. You guys enjoy Timberlake? Uh, <laughs> we're soul power today, right, Joshua? Um, but uh, I got a chance to hang with him this past week. And uh, let me just tell you what you, uh, what you see here is what you see hanging with him at a coffee shop and in life and just really, uh, really the real deal. So, uh, but we are into week three of this series that we're doing called uh, Just Say Yes. Uh, if you haven't been a part of the, the whole series, we, we've been walking through for like a year and a half the book of Matthew, and we're through chapter 10, and we hit the pause button to do this series. Uh, it's, it'll be this week and next week. We'll wrap it up. But we hit the pause button because uh, here, our, our mission statement is helping people say yes to Jesus. And here's what we believe. We believe that Jesus is always speaking. Jesus is always active. If you're a follower of Jesus, he is calling you. He is calling me to say yes to something. There's always something a disciple is saying yes to. It's not just a prayer you prayed 20 years ago and that set you up for the rest of life and eternity. He's calling you to say yes to something right now. And we believe that. And so because of that, that's why our mission is we want to help you say yes. One of the most basic things a disciple does is, and first century disciple did, is they said yes to whatever the master was calling or commanding them to do. And so we believe that Jesus is speaking. He's calling all of us to say yes to something. And one of the goals we've set this year as a, as a church is we want everyone that calls Generation Home to say yes to Jesus this year, to say yes to something that he's calling you, uh, that he's calling you to do. And here is the tension for a lot of us is we believe that, but we have no idea how to determine what it is that he's calling us to say yes to. And so it's not a, a, a lack of, it's not an unwillingness necessarily as much as it is a, an ignorance of, I, I just don't know what he's saying. I don't know what he's calling me to do. So if you're going to say yes to Jesus, you've got to be able to discern his voice. You've got to be able to, to hear his voice. And in week one, we talked about the ways that God, uh, the ways that God speaks to us. And we know the ways God speaks to us today because of the way God spoke in Scripture. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the way he spoke in Scripture is still the way he can and will speak to us today. And so I'm going to run through this list. I'm not going to talk about them uh, very long, but in case you missed it, these are the things that, that we've talked about, about ways God has spoken historically through Scripture and ways he still speaks to us today. And again, if this is not an exhaustive list. Don't come up to me afterwards and tell me about the three I missed. Like, that's great if you have three that three more you can add to the list. You can preach next Sunday. Uh, I'm just giving you kind of the main, like the top nine ways that we see in Scripture know he speaks today. Number one is through the audible voice. Uh, that is the way we all want. Like, if we're signing up for anything, that's what I want. And for some of you, you've heard the audible voice of God. For some of you, you haven't. Now, I want to make sure you understand, just because you heard the audible voice of God does not mean you're any, you're any more spiritual than the people who haven't. And just because you haven't heard the audible voice of God doesn't mean that God's not speaking to you. It just means he's speaking to you in another way. So in scripture, and today he speaks an audible, an audible voice. He'll speak through his word. He'll speak through his spirit living in you as a follower of Jesus. When you're born again, you now have a spirit that's living in you, dueling natures, the old you. Uh, the old me, and then the new me and Christ constantly at war with each other, but he'll speak to us through his spirit, through prayer. He'll speak to us through dreams and visions. Some of you have great stories of God spoke specifically to you through dreams. Uh, my philosophy on dreams is they happen in our subconscious mind for a reason. They should stay there. 
My kids wake up and tell me, hey, do you want to know what I dreamed about last night? The answer is always no. I don't want to know. Um, but dreams are visions. He'll speak to you through other people, through experiences, through our thoughts, mainly things like, think, like desire, intuition, uh, and nature. And so as God is speaking, as Jesus is speaking, as you and I engage in the difficult work of pursuing close, a close relationship with him, as we do the things that we, like we talked about last week, pursuing him in silence and solitude where we, dis, where we silence all of the competing voices and noises. And as we do that, as we begin to, to sense his voice, as we begin to hear his voice, we now have to move from simply hearing his voice to understanding. And if you know anything about communication, you know there's a big difference between hearing someone and, and listening or hearing and understanding. Hearing just naturally happens unless you're hearing impaired. Hearing just, just happens. Like you could sit in a, a coffee shop. You may not be paying attention to what's going on around you, but you hear the noises. Like we just naturally hear. Understanding is something completely different. And in any, in any relationship, the goal ultimately is understanding. If you and I sit down for, uh, for a cup of coffee and we talk about something, the goal for me is for me to understand you and for you to understand me. It doesn't mean that we agree. Like some people think the goal in communication is agreement. It's actually not. The goal in communication is understanding because we're not always going to agree, and that's okay. So you sit down, you talk. There's a clear sense of what you're saying to me, and you have a clear sense of what I'm saying to you. Understanding moves us to the point where we not only hear his voice, but we're able to discern what he's saying. We're able to understand what he means, and then we're able to know from that what does it require of me I hear his voice, but now I'm able to discern and understand what he's saying, which now gives a clear sense of the direction that my life needs to take, what my next yes is going to be. And so as you pursue that closeness with Jesus, you'll begin to hear that voice. And I, and I want to caution you, uh, we started this series, this is the third week, so really it was two Sundays ago that we preached the first message, so it's only been about two weeks of of time, And for some of you, you're like, man, I've been doing this every day for two weeks, and I still am no better than I was two weeks ago. It's not necessarily going to happen overnight. I can think of times and seasons in my life where I sensed God speaking to me about something specific, but I couldn't understand or discern what it was. Sometimes it took two to three years to get there. So if you think this is going to happen overnight, like, let me just, let me just uh, burst your bubble and let you know it's going to take a while, right? It's, it's not going to happen Overnight, sometimes it's going to be instantaneous, but oftentimes it's going to take a season of doing the difficult work of pursuing closeness with him and leaning into that relationship before we're able to clarify and understand. And so today what I want to do is I want to give you some things that I do when I sense God speaking to me, some of the things that I do to help me clarify and discern what exactly he's saying and then what that means for me as far as moving forward and, and as far as what my next step is. And I would love to tell you that my, my record is 100%. That every time God's spoken, I've heard his voice, I've responded, and I've never, I've never misunderstood him. I've never mistaken like my voice for his voice. I'd love to tell you that I got 100% success rate, but I don't. I could tell you stories like one that comes to mind uh, right now when we were in Canada for eight years and when God led us away I had a clear, I wasn't certain about what our next step should be, but the one thing I knew with great certainty was that God was leading us to step down from the church that we had planted and pastored for eight years. Beyond that, it was all cloudy, but I knew with certainty he was calling us to do that. Eight years later, I look back and I, I miss 
the years in Canada. I miss the relationships we have there. But I have zero doubt that stepping away from that church was, was the voice of the Holy Spirit. So eight years looking back, I have no regrets. I, I don't see it any differently than I did then. But I got a lot of stories of times where I'm like, man, Jesus is calling me to do this. I stepped out and did it, only to realize six months, a year later, that wasn't actually Jesus, that was you. Like, that was my voice trying to get Jesus on my page. And so there are going to be times where you're going to say yes, you're going to pursue something, and it's going to go well. There are going to be some times you say yes, you pursue something, and later you realize, man, that was not the Holy Spirit. That was my mom. That was my friend. That was my pastor. That was somebody else. And I just want to encourage you, don't allow the fear that you may make a mistake to keep you from doing something, to keep you from saying yes. Failure is, uh, one of my mentors always says, failure is a, a sign of success because it means you're trying something. It means you're, you're doing something. And to hear and respond to God's voice is going to, at times, be some trial and error. So I want to give you some things that, that I do that help me uh, and, and hope that they'll just be an encouragement and they'll help you as well. But before I do that, let's just talk about general. So we want specifically what is God telling me to do, but while we wait for specific, how do we operate in the general? Romans 8, 28 and 29 says this, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance, and then I want you to, to focus on this next statement, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. You say, what does God want for my life every day? That's it right there. He chose you to become like his son. He wants you to become more and more like Jesus. So what that means is as we operate in the general realm, ask yourself the question when you wake up every day, is what I'm feeling led to do going to make me more like Jesus? If the answer is yes, then do it. Like, like we spend a lot of time praying about stuff. We don't need to pray about it. It's just clear as day. This is gonna help me become more like Jesus. So yes, do that. And if it's not gonna help you become more like Jesus, then don't do it. So it gives us some, some general wisdom that we can operate in as we wait for and look for, uh, for specifics. And so what do you do when you're looking for specifics? These are some of the things I do to, to clarify God's voice. Number one is I, is I look at his word. Uh, look into the, to the scripture. What does the, the Bible teach? What does scripture tell us? And I can give you many instances in my life where God has spoken to me simply by using his word or he's confirmed what my heart is sensing. He's confirmed it through, through scripture. A few years ago, I had to have some pretty major surgery, and I didn't want to do it. I was very uh, fearful of it. My dad had had a similar procedure years before and almost died, and I knew the 18 months of difficulty that he had recovering, and I was like, I want no part of that. But when I knew that it was something I needed to do the night before I had surgery, I was, I was anxious, I was scared, and I found myself in Psalm 56. Psalm 56, 3 says, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. And God used that verse in that instant. The Holy Spirit just said, this is, this is for you. Like, cling to this verse. Uh, recently, just a, a few weeks ago, I was down in uh, Orlando, and I, I gathered a group of guys from the Liberty Church Network. It's a group of pastors from around the country, and we meet in, in Florida uh, at the last week of February, first week of March every year. And we're down there, and we before we start to have our meetings, we do a time of worship, and so we do some music together, and then Rob Wetzel, who is the director of Liberty Church Network, his wife, Bonnie, uh, Bonnie Wetzel is a, is a counselor, 
And so she'll, she does this thing, I think it's called the, like the Lectio method or, or something weird like that. But uh, she'll take a passage of scripture and she'll start by like having you bow your head and close your eyes and she'll just have us talk about like be aware of like stress you're carrying in your shoulders and all this. Like she says it's whatever. I'm like, it's, we're being hypnotized. Um, but she'll, she'll do this thing and then she'll read through a passage of scripture and so give, she'll give you some things to think about. Like I'm gonna read this passage and I'm gonna get done reading this passage. This is what I want you to be, to be processing. And so it was John chapter 15, and she read through it three times. And we do it every year. And, and a lot of times, I'll, I'll be honest with you guys, I don't have the, the longest attention span. So after about 10 seconds, I'm ready to move on to something else. And so, you know, I'll work really hard to dial in, but, you know, you'll hear a, a, I'm like a, a, a dog, like you hear a squirrel or something like that. And, and, and so, like, I, I have to fight really hard to stay engaged. And so she goes through it the first time, and she reads it in different translations. And she read, read it in the English Standard Version first, which if you know here, we do most of our stuff that we teach in the New Living Translation. So I read the ESV some, but not a, but not a ton. And so she's reading through it, and she gets to John 15, 3, and it says this. It says, already, Jesus is speaking, and he says, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Already you are clean. And in an instant, the Holy Spirit just said, that, that's for you. Like, Jared, that, that's for you. You need to hear it. You need to believe it. You need to cling to it. You need to know it. And a little bit about my background, and some of you uh, have similar stories. I grew up in a, a church that was very legalistic. Like, your standing with God was, was not based on, I mean, they would tell you it was based on who Jesus was and what he did, but then there's all this list of things that you've got to do and things that you've got to avoid and then people you've got to avoid. And your standing with God is really determined by your activity. And so I know that that's not true, but if you know anything about your past, old demons die hard. And there are times where even, even unbeknownst to us, they start to, to well back up. They start to, to rear their heads in our lives again. And and I didn't even, I wasn't even aware of it, but I was starting to slip back into not necessarily believing it, but operating it and starting to, to base my standing on God, with God, based on my behavior. And so if something happened and uh, it was negative, I was like, oh, I bet that's because I did this. I bet that's because I said that, because I, I thought this. And it's those old, that old tension for me that exists because of my upbringing, that I'm constantly having to address those thoughts that I'm constantly having to take captive and make them obedient to Jesus. And so in that moment, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and said, this in my word, this is for you. Believe it, know it, reinforce it, take those thoughts captive and make them obedient. I can tell you many stories of God speaking to me through his word. God speaks to us today through his word and he confirms what he's saying to us today through his word. Psalm 119, 105 says about his word that your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path, that he gives us enough light for the journey to take the next step. It says your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. If you got in the car tonight and let's say you were driving from here, even just going to Flowers, just you know, five or six miles down the road, and you left here at night and started driving, turn your, your headlights on, you can't see from here to flowers. And it's not, just, it's, it's, not just, uh, it's not just because, oh, it's dark outside. Like right now, you can't see all the way to flowers. 
But at night, you can't, it's, it's even harder to see further down the road. And so you only have enough light to see right in front of you, even if you turn on the high beams. Like it's going to help you maybe a little bit more, but, but still, you can't see all the way there. But headlights give us enough light to keep driving. They give us enough light to illuminate the next, the next part of the journey. And that's what God promises us about his word, is that his word will give us light to guide the path. It doesn't say we'll see the whole destination. And I think that's a tension that many of us wrestle with, is I want, I want Jesus to show up and I want him to give me the entire roadmap and say, start here and there, and here's the 47 yeses in between. That's what we're looking for. But he says, I'm not going to give you enough light to see the whole journey. I'm going to give you enough light to say the next yes. I'm going to give you enough light to take the next step. And this book has the power to guide us, to give us the light we need to take the next step. It has the power to change us if we will engage in it and if we will submit to it. You see commercials for uh, like exercise equipment, like the Peloton bike is, is pretty popular right now. Uh, rowing machines, treadmills. There was that exercise machine for a while that Chuck Norris did. I'm like, well, if Chuck Norris did it, we all should be doing it. And so like maybe I should order that. Like I'm trying to get in shape and you know, you'll watch commercials like, you know, get washboard abs for 10 minutes a day or whatever, and you'll get like the, the ab machine or something like that, or, or like P90X for 60 minutes a day, you can look like a Navy SEAL. And, and we're like, yes, I want to do that. Like, who doesn't want to look like a Navy SEAL? Yeah, I'll, I, I want that. And so you order the equipment, you order the videos, they show up at your house, you're well-intentioned. But you know, the one thing they don't tell you in the advertisements, they don't tell you that the Peloton bike will not ride itself. They don't tell you that the treadmill will not wake up early every morning for you and do the work for you. The P90X videos don't play themselves. They have the power to change us if we, physically if we will engage and submit to them. This book has the power to guide us. It has the power to change us if we engage and submit to what it's teaching. You know, for many of us, we're trying to figure out what God's saying to us, and we spend little to no time in this book. If we're honest about it, for a lot of us, for a lot of us in here, we are asking God, what, Jesus, what are you telling me to say yes to? And the only time you look at this book is when you see a verse on a screen on Sunday morning, and other than that, you don't touch it, and you go, I don't understand why I can't hear his voice. Why is he, why is he not showing me anything? This book can change us. God can speak to us and confirm what he's saying to us at times through this if we'll submit to it. So he speaks to us through his word for me. He confirms his message through his word. He confirms his spirit uh, and uh, he confirms his word for me oftentimes through his spirit living in me. I said a minute ago, if you're a follower of Jesus, the spirit of Jesus is living in you. John 14, 26, Jesus said about the Spirit, he said, when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. It's the Holy Spirit that reminds us. There are times things will jump into your mind. And you'll be like, oh, I forgot that. Like, like a verse for, that, that speaks to something you're walking through. Where'd that verse come from? It's the Holy Spirit. He's reminding you of truth. He's reminding you of what 
of what Jesus has said. He's reminding you of, of what you can cling to. The Spirit is given to, to guide us and to direct us, Galatians 5 says. And as we grow in our relationship with him, it's the Spirit at times that will call and confirm his call for us to say yes to something. And it may be something simple like just grab a coffee with, with a coworker or have your neighbors over. Or maybe for some of you, it's, it's to start serving. Now, you've been coming to Generation for a while, and you know, man, I need to engage more. I want this to be uh, my church family. And you say, man, I, I just sense there's something here for me. And maybe the step for you is to start serving. Maybe, maybe it's to start giving or to be faithful about contributing financially, living generos generously. We say generosity is our norm. Like maybe, maybe that's the step for you. Think about where we've come culturally. We've never had more than we have, and we've never given less. During the Great Depression, Christians on average gave a higher percentage of their income away than we do today. When they had nothing, they were more generous than when we have everything. For some of us, maybe that's the next yes, maybe that's the next step, is to, is to sacrifice time, to sacrifice financially. Maybe to take a step here like joining a, a community group, or maybe it's something completely different. Maybe it's something that isn't, even, that isn't even something we do in this building, but it's something that Jesus is calling you to. For some of you watching online, maybe your next step is to say, man, I'm gonna be back in the building. That you understand the value of being together in community and you've been struggling and you know that you need this. For some of you, maybe that's your guess. Maybe it's something like moving like out of the country to go be a missionary somewhere. Chad and Jamie Bader are missionaries to, to Guatemala. They were in their mid-30s, two small children, good jobs, just bought a house. And Jesus showed up and said, yeah, that house you just bought, you need to sell it because you're going to Guatemala. And they said, yes, the Holy Spirit impressed it on them. His voice was, uh, his message was confirmed through his voice. The Holy Spirit is a way for me that I look to confirm what it is that I'm sensing or feeling called to say yes to. Third thing for me is the counsel of others. When you're walking through something, things can be cloudy and confusing, and you get someone else that you trust, and to you what is cloudy and confusing to them is, is clear as day. And, and, and I've, I've, been, I've been on both sides of this, okay? So I've been the guy sitting down with someone for coffee, and they're telling me their story, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's an easy one. Like, here's, you know, two or three steps, call me in the morning, you know? And send them on their way, they do it, come back, and it's like, man, like that was so, you know, thank you so much. I, I've been there, and that's really cool. But I've also been on the other side, even recently in the last few months, where I was walking through something, and my mind was clouded. Everything was confusing. I knew God was speaking, but I had no idea what he was saying. And so I called a, a pastor friend of mine who's in, who's in Raleigh and said, here's what's going on. And he was like, it's funny, it's cloudy to you, but it's incredibly clear to me. So he asked me a, a really hard question, and when I was able to answer the question, it helped me untangle the knots, and all of a sudden, what the Holy Spirit was saying became just as, as, as clear as day to me. There's a value of walking and living in community with others. Proverbs 12, 12 says, the way of a fool <clears throat> is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. I'll be honest with you, we live on both sides of that verse. 
there are times where I'm the fool. Like, I know what I want to do. Uh, my, is, that, is that my wrap it up music? <laughs> um, I'm still going. Um, but um, but uh, I've been that fool where my plan, my ambitions, my dreams, my desires, I'm like, God, I want you to get on my page. And I've also been on the other side where it's been the counsel of others that has kept me from making poor decisions. So you need people around you that can help give guidance, that can help you clarify what, what you're hearing, and help clarify if it's God's voice or something else. I look for people in my life, and I'd encourage you to do the same thing. Look for people who want the best for you. Look for people who are consistently pursuing Jesus. I mean, if you're trying to, if you're trying to discern the voice of Jesus, it's going to help greatly to lean on people who are trying to do the same thing in their lives. Find people who can remain unbiased. That's, that's, that's difficult to do depending on your situation. It may be a different group of people. Uh, bias is a challenge. There, there's things like confirmation bias, where we already have an opinion about what we think is right, so we only see and look for things that, that back up what we already believe. Like, for instance, if you believe that left-handed people are more creative than right-handed people, you're only going to be looking for left-handed people who are creative. If you see someone who's a right-handed person who's creative, you're like, oh, it's an outlier. It's, the lefties are, are more creative. There's also other, other types of bias, like anchoring bias, which is the first piece of information you receive. That's where you build truth from. So you, there are two sides of a conflict. The first person you talk to, that's who you believe, and so you talk to the other side, and you know, you, you've already determined what you think based on the first piece of information you received. But find people who can remain unbiased based on what it is that, that you're walking through and what you're looking for wisdom in. When we moved away from Canada, we knew we were moving back to the, to the States. And so we had a couple of options. One was New England, which is where Jennifer and I are both from. And then one was to move back here to the Raleigh area. Uh, I called my mom and told her we were thinking about moving back to New England. Well, guess what God's will was? <laughs> Move back to New England. Like, it, the, clearly, this is what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. Like, it just makes sense. But I know my mom. My mom can't remain unbiased. Like, she may want to. She may try to. But she can't. It's, it's, it's you know, this is her, I want my family to be near me. I, I understand that. But find people who can remain unbiased based on the decision that you're trying to make and the yes that you're trying to navigate. And then find people who are willing to speak truth into your life. Every person in here has a group of people around them that tells us what we want to hear. Those people are, are great, but when it comes to making big decisions, they can be dangerous because they're going to tell us what we want to hear, not necessarily what we need to hear. You need relationships with people who even if you get mad at them, are gonna tell you what they believe the truth is. They're gonna tell you what they think you need to hear, not just what you wanna hear. Jimmy, my pastor, for years uh, served that, that, sat in that seat in my life. He was, I, I called him the disturber. Didn't matter what I told him, he was gonna come up with some altering perspective. But I'm so thankful for that relationship. The number of times that he said to me, I remember leaving meetings with him, and being ticked and being like, I don't know if I'm going to talk to him again. 
And then a couple of days later going, no, I need, even if I don't agree, I needed to hear that. I needed that perspective. And so you need people who are going to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Jen, my wife, is another one of those. If you know Jen, she's probably that voice in your life too. Uh, she's just going to tell you the, the truth, and, uh, and it's something that we can benefit from if we'll yield to other people like that in our lives. Our elders are the same way. We've got four great elders. I know when we talk, they're not interested in, uh, in telling me what I want to hear. They're interested in helping us be better at accomplishing the mission, and they're going to say what is true, even if it's not what I want to hear. Um, so lean on others, counsel of others. And then the, the last one for me is I do consider circumstances. Now, I didn't start with circumstances because I think there's, there's danger in that. I think for some of us in here, if we're not careful, we're making decisions based on circumstances and how it's going to impact us. And that's the only thing that we look at. That's the only lens we look through. But circumstances are in our lives for a reason, and they play a part of our decisions, but they're just a piece of the puzzle. They're not the whole thing. They are ways that God can confirm his voice. I mean, for instance, maybe you're in a job and you have a different job. You've got a new job offer and it's a better opportunity. Maybe it's more money, but it's better for your family. Those are things that God can be speaking and bring into your life. He may be allowing circumstances to help confirm what it is that he's saying to you. Uh, it could be location, an opportunity to move closer to your family. Uh, some of us in here are like, I'd uh, take the opportunity to move further away from them. But, but regardless, it may have to do with family. And those are factors and those do matter. But circumstances are a way that God can confirm his voice. But circumstances should never be first and circumstances should never be the only. When we, when we look at circumstances alone, that's when we make poor decisions. If circumstances are guiding the decision for you, there's a pretty good chance uh, that you're gonna make that you're gonna make a poor decision. So they they matter, they're significant, but I listed them last because if you're looking at those ways to sort of clarify what he's saying, for me, they they always fall more towards the bottom uh, of of the list for me. Think of an example with my parents years ago. Um, my dad was coming out of the Navy and he had two job offers, one in Syracuse, New York, and one in Newport, Rhode Island. Syracuse, New York is where my mom's sister lived, and then Buffalo, New York, which is about two hours away, uh, is where my grandparents lived. Uh, my aunts and uncles live there today. Uh, so all of her family was within about two hours. And Newport, Rhode Island is about 10 hours from all of that. And so when they, were, when they were considering it, circumstances said, take the job in New York. That's what makes sense. That's what's comfortable. That's what's convenient. Circumstances alone said New York. But my parents prayed about it. They sought counsel about it. They asked God to give them wisdom, and they just could not get peace about taking the job in Syracuse. And so they turned it down and moved to uh, Newport, Rhode Island which is where they still live today. And within two years of making that decision, the branch that my dad would have been working at in Syracuse, New York, closed, and so he would have been out of a job within two years. And so from, from his perspective, if he, were, if he were telling you the story, he would tell you that that's why God led them away. Whether that's why God led them away or not, I don't know, but they clearly were responding to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And if they had only looked at circumstances they would have made, a, a, they would have made a, a poor decision. So circumstances matter, but circumstances are not the whole picture.
And so for me, that's, those are some of the things I look to to discern his voice. Like we believe he's speaking. Like I hope this morning you believe that he's speaking into your life, that he's showing you something, that he's telling you something, that he's calling you to say yes to something. And as you begin to hear that voice, you've got to do the difficult work of silencing the noise around and then trying to get to a point where you can clarify and understand what he's saying, but then ultimately what you need to say yes to. And I know that it's, it can be frustrating. I know it can be discouraging. You're probably sitting here, some of you are sitting here thinking, man, everybody in the room is probably sensing what God's calling them to say yes to except me. And I just want to encourage you this morning. He's not silent. He's speaking. He's active. There's some work that we've got to do. There's his part and there's our part. And we've got to be willing to do the difficult work of leaning into the voice, clarifying what it is that he's saying, and then being willing to say yes no matter what it costs me. I want our church family, I want us to be known as a place we just say yes to Jesus. We just say yes to whatever it, is, whatever it is he's calling us to. And I want you to sense his voice, understand what he's saying, and be able to respond. So Jesus, right now, we know you're present. We know you're active. We know you're speaking. I just pray right now for the hearts in here who may be discouraged, who may even be frustrated because they feel like they're doing the work and it just doesn't seem there just doesn't seem to be, to be results i pray that they would continue to fight for it to listen to silence the noises to understand what their next yes is and then next week together as we talk about it God, that together we would say yes. It's amazing to me to think a God as great as you are is pursuing me in a one-on-one -on -one level, is pursuing everyone here one-on-one, -on -one, that you're speaking into each of our lives on an individual basis. It's just amazing to me. God, you are good. You are faithful. You are great. And we just surrender to, we just surrender to you. We're gonna say yes to whatever it is that you call us to, Jesus. It's in your name that I pray it.